This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Wednesday, April 13th, and today it's your 4x5 episode. Four writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. We will talk some play-in performances that have already happened and ones we are looking ahead to, including the Wednesday night Hawks-Hornets matchup, plus some Russell Westbrook rumors, what that could mean for Tyrese Halliburton, uh, that and much more coming up in the next 20 or so minutes as we welcome in guest number one, Raphael Johnson, who has moved to the leadoff spot today. Ryan Knauss knocked from his leadoff spot. Raph, stepping in. We've got to, we've got to, let's just, let's just put it this way. We're racing the clock here against some uh, a repair situation at your home that we have to beat. So it's a race against clock. Luckily, we literally have a clock on this episode, so it's perfect. The timer starts. Where do you want to start our five minutes? I think we're going to start with the Thunder. Um, and rather interesting team to watch down the stretch just because of the number of guys that they shut down due to injury or the fact that they really didn't want to win too many games. Um, so I think one of those guys who shut down was Lugan Stort. And I thought he actually – he actually performed a little bit better than people expected. I mean, his Yahoo ADP was a little over 138. Finished 109th in 8-cat. Um, 10th amount value, which isn't too bad, especially for him, given where he started his NBA career, being a defensive guy with limited offense. Been better, average about 17 a game, 4.2 rebounds, 1.7 assists, just under one steal per game, 2.53 pointers per game. Uh, the field goal percentage are still a bit of a downer, but 40, 40.4%. But mm-hmm. free throws, he didn't hurt you at all, a little over 84. And I think the strides that he's made have, have turned him into a, a somewhat attractive late-round pick. Um, and I was just wondering, are we on the Lugan Stork bandwagon and possibly going like right after the top 100 picks are kind of exhausted in leagues next year? Yeah, I'm generally on board with him. Uh, I liked him. I, I like where I had him this year. I had him in the 30 team league. I thought it was it was a, he was a fun guy to have on the roster. A guy who definitely had some you know big upside on any given night. So in a head to head league, he was fun in that in that regard. I guess my two questions are this: number one, the defensive stats exactly 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks the last two seasons. So are we seeing about the peak? That's one question I have to send back at you, Raf. And number two. He's kind of in the best in bo- best of both worlds, right? That he's in Oklahoma City because when he's active, he gets the opportunity. But two years in a row, we've seen him shut down. So I don't know when does this when does this mayhem end in Oklahoma City? It feels like it, there's no end in sight to this sort of perpetual rebuild compiling of picks. So those are my two variables with Lugan's door, if that makes sense. I think the defensive stats. He's about where he's going to be. You know, I think. He may be, he's definitely a good defender, but for some guys, the stats don't always bear that out in terms of steals and blocks. You know, that's just how it is with some players. So I think where he is right now in terms of the numbers in that regard, that's pretty much what he's going to be. You're just kind of hoping that he continues to make strides offensively, kind of make up for that lack of defensive production. Um, And the other question, 
I mean, you can only stockpile draft picks for so long. Like Sam Presti and those guys are eventually going to have to start doing something that will help them enable them to win more games, whether that's packaging some of those picks to add a star to go alongside Shea Gilgis-Alexander, or you just use all those players and, and eventually say, you know what, we're just going to go all in with the group that we have and, and figure this out because, I don't know, it – if people got mad about the process, I don't understand how you don't get mad about the way in which this situation seems to be headed. But I think eventually, maybe even this summer, they're going to try to package some of those picks. That's just my feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to use it. I know we have another topic to hit. So just closing the book. Just past the top 100 to your original question. I don't know that I'm there with Dort, but I mean, I would probably try to push it into the 120s and see if he's still on the board. And then I'm, I'm interested in trying to draft him. Hopefully he falls to there. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. What you got next? Um, Tyrese Halliburton. You know, I think yeah. his Yahoo ADP was a bit low in hindsight, but that was because he started out in Sacramento. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, sharing time with De'Aaron Fox was going to limit him to a certain extent. He finished 21st in 8-cat. That trade to Indiana was huge for him. Also, the injury that Fox suffered before the trade, where Halliburton was the main guy on the ball, that was great. But now I'm a bit worried because Shams Charania, the athletic reporter on Monday at the Pacers, and I quote, could emerge as a potential suitor for Russell Westbrook. Um, the Pacers, in that same report, could be are open, could be open to moving Buddy Hill and Malcolm Brogdon. This strikes me as a purely financial motivated move. Move. Um, Halliburton kind of separated himself as a clear building block in Indiana. You don't make that trade that they did without this being the case. And he's shown that with his play, but adding Westbrook to the mix, who hasn't been, who wasn't as flexible as he claimed he would be when he joined the Lakers, that concerns me a little bit. Um, And where do you sit on this? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I guess this is one that I, I still, I just can't imagine. I guess finances, like you said, maybe is that the why that Indiana would do it? I just, it's hard for me to imagine them doing that with Halliburton breaking out. It just, it doesn't make sense otherwise, right? He was so good. Our timer's about to go off, but we'll keep going for a second here. He was so good after that, after that trade with the Pacers, 26 games, 17 and a half points, 4.3 boards, 9.6 assists, 1.8 steals, 0.6 blocks, 2.23s. Westbrook hypothetically arriving there would be a disaster. But I mean, in closing, Raph, I mean, if Westbrook does not indeed go there this offseason, how high are we taking Halliburton? I mean, I, he was a second rounder this year, and I think we're, we're have, you have to take him in the second round, right? I mean, yeah, he's not getting out of the second round. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys where if you, if you end up late in the first round of your, of a snake draft, He's a guy that you're probably going to snap up early second because he's not going to be available next time you come around. So I, I expect his ADP to be in around 20 or so, to be honest with you. Yeah, agreed. Well, and Jared, who's waiting in the uh, waiting in the green room paying attention, says one year for Russ versus two years on Malcolm and Buddy. So that could be one explanation. Raph, go, uh, go get to the repairs. We did it, I think. We successfully made it in time. Uh, good to talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Okay. See ya. Ryan Knauss has been backstage practicing his bunting, moving runners over, uh, usually the table setter, but a different role today, Ryan. How are you feeling about it? I feel pretty good. Uh, You know, Raph started out with a solid double into the gap there. So hopefully (laughs) we can bring him around by the time this pod's over. Nice. I like it. What, uh, What do you want to talk about, Ryan? 
Well, to, for starters, just quick chime in on the Halliburton topic. 20 as an ADP yeah. would be aggressively low, in my opinion. He'll be gone. Like, I'm snapping him up in the second half of the first round. Raph mentioned the turn. If you Ooh. can get him that late, great. I think the hype train will have driven him way higher. Uh, I expect he and DeJounte Murray to be hype guys going into next year. Mm-hmm. Expect to burn a top 10 pick if you want either of them, I think. Wow. Nice. Well, Steve Alexander and I kind of did a breakdown of the guys who were the top 12 this year on the Monday episode, and we'll be doing uh, 13 through 24 this coming Monday. So Halliburton will be uh, discussed in more detail there. Look look forward to it. Uh, Matt, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some drafts, doing a sort of you know post-mortem looking back at some of my fantasy mm-hmm. drafts, guys that hit, guys that didn't. And a couple names I wanted to, yeah. to bring up who didn't quite hit but weren't awful and how you view them going forward. So starting with a player, you'll probably talk to Steve about in coming weeks, Darren Fox, um, a guy I burned multiple early round picks on, uh, spent heavily to get in a, in a salary draft league. Pretty disappointing. Now there was the Halliburton impact, but even after Halliburton was gone, Fox's steals numbers just weren't fantastic. Uh, you know, steals down to 1.2 per game this year. That was the lowest since his rookie season. Blocks down to 0.4. Ditto for that. Assists killed. That was down to 5.6. They did go up after the Halliburton yeah. trade, and he averaged 7.1 dimes over the final two months of the season. But that's not really what you're paying for on draft day, right? High points with inefficient percentages and five, six, maybe seven dimes a game. You need significantly more than that. So I guess, are we still banking on a breakout, right? Is this a post-hype opportunity where maybe Fox is the next John Morant and he he goes nuts next season? Or do you think that ship has sailed? I think of this as now you actually have, the, the real opportunity exists now, right? Because he closed out last season so well, right? And that's why so many of us were high on him. The numbers were just through the roof down the stretch. And I mean, you talked about the numbers that went down, and those are all really valid and why he was kind of a fantasy bust. But, you know, one I note is that the free throw percentage went up to 75 this year from 71.9. That's a plus. So, and that was obviously one of the big blemishes that that, that existed for him in terms of fantasy. So, I don't know. It seems to me like really, yeah, his numbers were down a little bit, and then he got hurt, and he didn't really get a chance to finish strong like he did the year before and kind of salvage the pick for you. So I'd, I'd be in on drafting him this coming year. That's partially because I really didn't get him anywhere this year. So I didn't have the experience, the frustration of uh, of this year. So I, I don't feel the need to take a year off. Okay. Yeah, I, I may personally. Uh, now, don't, don't <laughs> yeah. get me wrong. He's like entering his prime. The, by all means, he could go nuts. He's going to have the ball in his hands a ton, et cetera. But uh, I look at like his sub 30% three-point shooting, for instance, as a red flag, or the fact that 75% free throw shooting were like waving flags and in celebration. Like, yeah. you know, for a starting point guard in fantasy, great. he has flaws, put it that way. Yeah. But uh, moving on to yeah. someone, a different spectrum uh career wise that's tobias harris someone who we don't talk about very much because he's just kind of okay uh he's floated through middle round value you know never too high too low but i was personally hoping for a top 50 season this year it did not happen i think he was closer to top 100 than he was top 50 is this the beginning of an inevitable decline do you think i'm sadly I, i believe it might be 
Yeah, so I don't know. Just looking at the Yahoo rankings, I see I see him at sixty-two. I don't know if it's is it drastically different on like Basketball Monster. Um, I'll have to double check. Oh, you know, I may have drafted I may have drafted him in an eight cat league, and okay. that's what I'm. So looking at nine category quickly on Basketball Monster, just to cross reference. Um, this is fun for people while I search, right? People like that. Um, yeah, sixty. Looks like he was a top sixty. Okay, so. Well, for me, my my reaction when you said that, you know, decline was he just wasn't a guy who had a big margin for error in, a, in the first place, right? He just had kind of, yeah. it was this perfect storm of like, just enough in enough places and didn't hurt you anywhere that like, yeah, you have him on your team. He's not going to give you headaches. You, he's sort of lower upside, high floor. You always got to be careful about guys with guys like that, right? As they're pushing thirty. I mean, sure, I think he has some productive years left, but I'm just—he's not a guy I'm excited to draft anymore. Mm -hmm. To your point, completely, and especially because, as you said about his lack of upside, really, he's not a defensive right. stats guy. He's never been—you know—a steal and a block is too too much for Tobias, and he dipped. So he had so little margin for error there and he slipped a little bit this year right. that hurts and then with a slightly decreased usage and slightly decreased points all that starts to chip away at that roto appeal that he has had for for the past decade but yeah i think probably 75 80 range is safer for yeah. him next year matt i want to talk about my whole roster and more but i realized i heard the timer let's save it save it for a future episode we have yeah. an, an entire off season okay. playoffs and off season ahead we have plenty that's of true. hours to fill <laughs> that's true I'll be back. Okay, Ryan. I uh, enjoyed it. Talk to you soon. All right. Two writers to go, including the aforementioned preview of Hornets Hawks, plus a look at a certain Minnesota timber or wolf. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle, follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have a special programming note for our listeners. Friday, we're teaming up with our Edge betting crew to preview the NBA playoffs. Dr. A, Raphael Johnson, and myself will join, possibly others. I think there's others. I have a feeling Jared might be there, too. We'll, host join, we'll join host Corey Parson to break down every aspect of the postseason, so tune in at our usual noon Eastern time on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube or Twitch channels to watch live or check out the audio version in the Round Ball Stew or Bet the Edge feed. Also, download the NBC Sports Predictor app. 
Powered by points, Ben, and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000 twice this week. This week, we are highlighting the play-in games between the Hawks and Hornets and Spurs and Pelicans Wednesday night. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. All right. He's been waiting patiently, and I'm going to press a button and add Noah Rubin to the proceedings. Noah, uh, good day. And I believe you and I both have the same thing on our agenda here uh, this afternoon and this evening. And that would be the Hawks-Hornets game. Yeah, it's a great day. I'm really excited to uh, be heading down to Atlanta to be able to watch the Hawks-Hornets playing game. I know it's probably a little bit of a less of a drive for you, but I'm yes. excited to see you know a lot of offense and probably not much defense at all uh, for a chance yeah. to play the Cavs in the second playing game. Yeah, yeah. So you and I will both uh, be at this game. Not together, but perhaps we will uh, stop in the concourse and yeah. say hi. Um <laughs> So yeah, to your point, the highest total of the first four games of the play-in tournament is is this game, according to points bet, a total of 235.5 here, and the Hawks are 5.5-point favorites. I mean, I, I was thinking about this game. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. I don't know where you want to start, but yeah, to your to the point you made a minute ago, I mean, you could almost make an entire DFS lineup focusing on this game if there weren't maximums, <laughs> like in terms of how many players you can have from certain teams. Yeah, absolutely. I think with that 235 line, they may have only actually hit that one time during the regular season, but both mm -hmm. teams scored at least 100 in every game that they played, except the one the Hornets shot four of 36 from three. I don't expect them to shoot that bad again, especially in a meaningful game yeah. like this. If you consider what happened last season in the playing game when they got just destroyed by the Pacers, I think it was 144 to 117, I expect them to come in a little bit more focused. Uh, but I don't think that's going to translate to as much defense and as much chippiness as we saw last night with that Clippers-Timberwolves game. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I think everybody expects Trey Young to have a huge game, but he's actually not been great against the Hornets this season. I think at their last one, he only scored nine points. He's averaging 20.8 yeah. points and 10.8 assists in his four games versus the Hornets this season. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's funny that we say it. Trey's been kind of off against the Hornets. He's only averaged 21 and 11 against them. But... Um, yeah, that's just weird because you certainly don't think of the Hornets as an imposing defensive matchup. So I would almost, even though they played four times, I would almost think of that as a fluke. And I am certainly, uh, all in on Trey in terms of DFS. I, I Trey in a, a, what's essentially a playoff environment at home, I would be expecting fireworks. Um, and by the way, the Hawks are 11 and one at home going back to mid February. So you really would think that the Hawks can take this, but I'm just strangely terrified here as a Hawks fan of, of some of a letdown performance. I don't know. In, in my mind, though, I think the Hawks likely, I expect the Hawks to take care of business tonight. And then I start to worry about going on the road at Cleveland. Yeah, they split with the Hornets during the regular season, but you know, I think it's kind of like a big game thing this season where they just kind of faltered, but they've been much better mm -hmm. at home. Like you said, on the road, I saw a stat that in, in 2022, they're one in 11 against road teams that are in the playoffs to this point. Wow. Uh, so playing against the Cavs, I think the yeah. only time they lost the Cavs this season was the third game of the regular season. Um, so they kind of had their number lately, but I think if the Cavs get Jared Allen back healthy, especially if the Hawks don't have John Collins, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, and, and Collins is, um, I think, already, is already ruled out for this game and sounds, um, I think I, I saw from Chris Kirshner, the Hawks beat writer on The Athletic, that he's he's very iffy at best, if not like unlikely for a second game against the Cavs. And I do want to spend a minute spinning it forward to the Cavs because we're talking Wednesday midday. This 
little part of the conversation is going to expire in, I don't know, a, a matter of hours, right? So let's look at this Cavs team. I mean, what do you think of them with Mobley back? It does feel like that that really makes them a different team, even without Jared Allen. Yeah, I mean, it's they're still a tough team. I think they kind of faltered late, kind of slid down the standings. But yeah. the entire season, they've been competitive. They were one of, if not the, at some point during the regular season, the top team in the East. Um, so just adding back an all-star player like Jared Allen with the way Darius Garland has been playing and the way he played against Brooklyn, I don't think it's going to be an easy matchup for anybody. Um, but I think if I'm the Cavs, I'd probably rather see the Hornets than I'd rather see the Hawks. Um, I think they match up a little bit better with Charlotte. They split the season series with Charlotte. Um, so I think, I don't know, the Cavs are bigger than everybody in the league. So I think that's a yeah. huge advantage for them. Jared Allen would be massive in, in a Hawks-Cavs matchup. But, I mean, he was ruled out. I mean, he, how much healing is going to happen in the next couple of days, really? Like, yeah. if he couldn't play Tuesday, is it really realistic that he's going to play Friday? I guess I'm I'm a little skeptical there. And that's kind of my thing with John Collins as well. They're saying his foot's a little bit better, but he, I saw you can't even, like, grip a basketball without it hurting. Uh, so yeah. they're saying there's a chance he plays first round if the Hawks make it that far. But I'm just not entirely certain what kind of John Collins or what kind of Jared Allen we'd see in a full playoff series. Yeah. I mean, if you saw John Collins's finger with the photos, I think we all did. I mean, there's like an entire can of soup inside that one of those fingers, like it was such a, a painful swollen looking finger. Like, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, they could use him back, but uh, it doesn't seem good, but uh, I will see you uh, at state farm arena. Absolutely. Good luck to you. All right. Uh, it's time He's been waiting even more patiently. Jared Johnson here to close things out. Jared, how are you, sir? Hello, I am here. I'm doing good. I'm doing well. How are you? Those were two very fun games last night. I I uh, very much enjoy the atmosphere. I don't care that it's the play-in. I'm going to call these playoff games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, I would like to talk about this man, Ant-Man, Anthony yes. Edwards. He had a hell of a game last night. Um, Wolves grinded their way to uh, a win over the Clippers um, to secure the number seven seed and and their spot in the playoffs, basically behind the leadership of both D'Angelo Russell and um, Anthony Edwards. But Anthony Edwards, man, 30 points, very efficient scoring, five boards, two assists, five triples, two. Uh, oh, I wrote two assists twice, <laughs> one one steal and two turnovers. You were so impressed by those two assists, you wrote them twice. (laughs) I think probably the most impressive part of this was that he did this with Cat doing absolutely nothing. That was maybe maybe one of the worst performances of Carl Anthony Towns' career. And uh, man, Ant-Man just took him over the top, got him there. I kind of feel like I haven't talked about Anthony Edwards all year, so I just kind of want to pay this man his respect. Yeah. Yeah, he's just 20 years old. He improved all his numbers this year. Um, I think the efficiency is is really the thing that stands out to me. He went from 41.7% shooting to 44.1, very respectable. Mm-hmm. 19.3 points to 21.3. Uh, he was 32.9% from beyond the arc last year, his rookie year. Uh, and put that up to 357 uh, you know, you just look at all the numbers, uh, 1.7 steals to 1.5. He didn't quite get the the two that he was talking about at training camp, but he does if you round up. Um, yeah. And he only had uh, 2.6 turnovers. So a lot of stuff to like in this guy's game. 
Um, his ADP was 44, which is exactly where he finished the season. Where do we draft this guy next year? Yeah, it's an interesting one because like there are so many positives, but I also think in some ways, I think some of us expected more than he scored, you know, 21.4 points per game after that monster stretch as a rookie. Um, 4.7 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 1.4 steals, 0.6 blocks, 3.03s. And you mentioned the percentages were solid. They're not great, but they're they're not hurting you badly. The turnovers aren't really hurting you. So there's so much to like, yet I strangely feel like he was neither like he hit his ADP. I mean, he hit his ADP, like you said. So it's such an interesting situation. I'm just double checking because I feel like he went higher than that in the company league, which I like to use as one example. Did I who's did I make that up? He went 35th to uh, a certain a team called Round Ball Man. Stew in that league. That <laughs> that that is a that's incredibly interesting because I was going to talk about like where does he go because yeah. he, the definitely the hype is going to draft up the drive up that price and the fact that you took him in the third round this past season yeah uh, concerns me a little bit because I feel like I was going to say okay he's probably going to get into the third round. Well, now I'm feeling like he's probably going to be in the second round. I mean, as good as he is, the second round f- feels like a little bit of a leap to me. Yeah. It's it's just like, oof. I don't know. I right. want I want something that's like I want a, a guy who's shown himself for for years rather than kind of I don't know. I feel like taking him at where, at what point in the second round it, it is almost like drafting his ADP there. Yeah. In a best case scenario. Yeah. No, I I See, I look at it slightly differently because I mentioned how I felt a little bit like his numbers were good, not great this year. And I think maybe that does allow some of us to get him in the third round. You know, um, I don't know yeah. that we have to take him, you know, 21 or 22 or something to get him. I think there's a chance you might get him in the third round this year. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on on how his playoff run goes. Yeah, and, and sure. you know, there's recency bias always. Yeah. But uh, just a that's an interesting Interesting thing to think about as we. Uh... I, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm not going to take him the second round. I don't think I have to. I have to think about it a little bit more. But right now, if we're drafting, I think I've got him. I've got him. You know, ranked as though he's a third rounder for me. And if someone else takes him in the second round, I'll say, "Well, you got him. You did it. Yeah, congratulations. I, I agree with that. I Jared, agree with that. You got him. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, stick in Minnesota. Let's talk a little bit about D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. He's a guy that I had. Um, I don't know how interested I'd be in taking this ride again. He's another guy who uh, he finished exactly where his ADP was. Um, I think it was 66, and um, that's where he went. I also took him in the company league uh, towards the end of round uh, five, I think it was. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he pretty much did what you'd expect of him. I think the problem for me was the 41.4% shooting, which is pretty much the norm. Yeah. Uh, He's 25. He's probably going to get a little bit better. He's not quite in his NBA prime yet, but I don't know if that field goal percentage is going to improve all that much. For me, he's kind of a guy where if I I find myself approaching round uh, five-ish, I guess, at that point, if I don't have a point guard, um, he's kind of someone that you have to look at yeah. based on just all the other guys being taken. I, 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 yeah, and a couple thought, a couple things here. Number one, we did go past our timer, so we're going to have to wrap in uh, a second. We're also, okay. in a second, he's still here, 
So Noah is about to come back in here. I don't know if he planned this, <laughs> but again, the rules are if you stick around, you're coming back. <laughs> Raph's not here for the last word today. So Noah's going to join us for the last word. My response to you, Ed, and we'll hear from Noah in a second, Jared, is I feel like D'Angelo Russell for a guy who kind of has can be a very you know explosive player on any given night has kind of settled in as like a a floor guy almost in fantasy like he's kind of a solid middle tier fantasy point guard you know the last couple years he's been around 60 and 70 and nine category leagues the field goal percentage you mentioned is a little frustrating but he he's fine everywhere else you know he's a one steal per game guy six seven assists Mm -hmm. 18 19 points two and a half three three pointers like he's he's solid he's good but i don't think i don't know he's young still but i'm not sure that i feel like we're kind of near the 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 leveling off point almost but maybe i'm wrong yeah I, I do too yeah i don't know if there is a ton of room especially with the situation i think that he's in um with him being yeah. probably a third option on most nights uh watching the game last night didn't seem like yeah unless he went and got his own shot like i think late in the quarter or something like that there wasn't a ton of offense designed for him to be getting a ton of shots it was cat who was bad and then ant-man who was good um and then some of the other shooters so i don't know if there's a ton of room for stats to just go up unless it's just getting more efficient. Yeah, that, that would be it. He would just need <laughs> to make more of his shots. You know, he's a chucker, but I don't, it's just like, he's been a chucker for so long. Is he, is he suddenly going to turn around that efficiency? And I mean, if he's, if he ramped up to 45, which I don't ever see happening, that would get the job done with, in terms of points, he already, he already gives a seven point something assists and only 2.5 yeah. turnovers. So the real negative is that is that field goal percentage. I have no problems drafting him, you know, in a certain round, whatever. If it's round, six, if I can get him in round six, I just like he's a guy who I almost like. I think of him as having a higher ceiling, different positions than Tobias Harris, but it's almost like a floor guy, right? Like you don't want to only take floor guys. Yeah, you want to. That's a good. You want to have your eyes open. Like I just took a floor guy. I, I need some ceiling guys here. You know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we did it. We. uh we close the book there. Okay, uh, that's going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We're back on Friday with the playoff preview that I mentioned before with uh, some of us and the Bet the Edge crew. Jared, you're, you're going to be there, right? I shall be there, yes. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, uh, I'll see you there. Noah, I'll see you at the arena. Uh, in the meantime, thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. And thanks to our writers, Ryan and Raph. And Noah and Jared, thanks to you guys for sticking around. I will talk to you soon. Adios. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.